good? All the time. I said the Lord is good? All the time. If you believe, you give me an amen. Amen. All right, quickly, let's take our declaration of understanding. Take our seats, and then we are going to study a bit, and then we'll continue to declare the word of God. All right, are you ready for that? Yes. So how do we do it? Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, I'm pleasing him in all respects, I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It's giving me light and direction. It's healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And that's precisely what you will experience today once again. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The word will enter your heart. Amen. To give you light. Amen. To give you understanding. Amen. To give you direction. Amen. To answer your questions. Amen. To heal your diseases. Amen. To correct all your mistakes. Amen. To set you on the path of divine destiny. Amen. And most importantly, it will make you more than ever before like the Lord Jesus. Amen. In the name of Jesus we have declared. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. All right. Last time we were declaring the promises. Remember that? And we said that that is what God wants us to do, to build our lives on the promises of God. And we're going to continue in that light again today. As our school of prayer, men ought always to pray and not to faint. They are never to give up. They are never to get tired of praying. They are to pray in faith till the end. Do you get my point? Prayer must never leave your mouth. It must never never leave your heart. You must never throw away hope. Never. Ever. Ever. Throw away hope. You must never do that. You must never do that. You must understand something. God is calling you on the ability to hold on to faith. Did you hear what I said? Yes, sir. God calls you on that. He tests whether you will hold on or you won't. That's something I've learned from scriptures. You find out that God, I mean, take a man like Saul. Hmm. Let me tell you something about Christianity. Just before you start um, doing anything with the Lord, first die first. No, they say die. Hang yourself. Die. Then when you are dead, they cannot follow the Lord. What do I mean by dying? You expect nothing. You are not looking for that is when I say spend on nothing personal. You didn't, you know, you don't uh, make agreement with him. You know, I've said that thing. Stop making agreement with the Lord. It's a very it sounds righteous, but actually it is wrong. It is evil. You don't make an agreement with him. You just collapse and die in his presence and give him your cups. Do you get my point? Then he will <laughs> he'll raise you back to life, then do anything he likes with you. It's not that you will, I will serve you, Lord, you will do this one. Nonsense. Just in case you have made such agreements, I want you to know that he has never agreed to it. You agreed with yourself. You are the one that causes an agreement. He never called it an agreement. Do you follow my point? Don't give God conditions ever. Don't make that mistake. Not, not inside your heart. When you come to follow the Lord, just abandon yourself. So what will my life be? I will find out at the end. I don't determine it by myself from the beginning. I find out at the end. 
That's the only way you can follow the Lord. That's the only way you can follow the Lord. Now, having said that, whatever he has promised, never lose hope. That is, please, what I want to say, we sound like I'm not talking in faith, but I know what I'm saying. Even if, let me give an example now. You see in the scriptures, promise of divine health. All right? Now, you didn't make that agreement. You did not initiate it. You found the promise there. It was not you that started it. And then you start believing concerning divine health. And they say you are dying. Till you take your last breath, believe it. Don't ever say things like, it's not working. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like it's not working. You don't have enough intellect to assess what is working and what's not working. That's why I said, <laughs> if I were to die, you know, Please, what I want to say, don't misunderstand me. Okay, let me not say it. <laughs> okay, I'll get carried away in the right direction. Okay? The argument I had, you know, one of my classmates just dropped and died a few days ago, about three days ago. He was in clinic walking and died. So somebody now said that it's good, we have to be checking ourselves. I said, this guy lives in North America. You think he was not checking himself? That was some point I told one other person. I said, he lives in North America. This is not Nigeria. He wasn't working in Enugu. He wasn't working in Lagos or Potakot. He wasn't in Makodi or uh, Newi or Kefi. No. It was somewhere, I won't say exactly where, in North America. And he dropped in the clinic and died. Exactly four days ago. So that's where the discussion started from. So when somebody, I said, <laughs> he said, Bank, you think we need to, I said, bros, if I need you, I will come. I said, but I need more than just being alive to be testing myself. That is like, why am I coming for tests? I'm alive. I'm 50 something. Is it a sickness? <laughs> now, we are all classmates. All, everybody I'm talking to is specialist. There's nobody, there's no specialist there. We're talking. I said, bros, I believe me. In my mind, one day I will die. I said, but I told my, one of my guys, I said, I intend to die peacefully. So leave that thing. I said, I beg, don't turn me to an experiment. Be poking up and sound my system. I said, when I'm sick, I'll come and see you. Right now, I feel wet. Hey, you, may, you may be sick inside. Leave it. I don't have time to go into discussing that. I told you I didn't want to go there. <laughs> hey, I find in this life, eh, there's nothing to hope for more than God. That's what I'm saying. And once you have held on to him, hold on to him to the end. If he promises anything, hold on to it. And he says, it's not working. He said, what's my problem? I still believe it. So I was saying to him, I said, if I die, say right on it. This man believed God till he died. And that's my own attitude. And that's what I want every believer to have. Don't make deals with God. If I give, I will be rich. I hope you stop thinking such thoughts. Do you still think such things in 2022? They say, no, they don't. It is, it's, it's, it's old things have passed away. All things have passed away. Why do we give? Because we are givers. Why do we give? Because God has given us something to give. Why do we give? Because God has exposed to us an opportunity to be a blessing to somebody else. Why do we give? God has given us something to, 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 to spend his money on in service of him. That's why we give. As we show you, show that you prosper. We stopped believing that long ago. It makes no sense to us. We have found that if we want prosperity, we will ask for it. And God made it clear, speaking through James, that we don't ask for it because we want to spend on our own loss. We ask for it because there is a purpose for it. 
So we ask for prosperity to fulfill the purpose of God. That's a matter of fact. So I'm not, I'm not cutting deals with God. So people are kind of cutting deals. <laughs> now I want to digress more. It's more digression. I'll get to my message in a moment. I had an experience yesterday. I told my wife, I said, is this why God put me on this plane? Many of you know I traveled. I was there on weekends. Coming back yesterday. You know, it rained in Enugu. The rain was very heavy. So we left Abuja. Welcome on board. Welcome on board. Took off. <laughs> Just as we were approaching Enugu. Pilot said, guys, please say Enugu, no balance. No. He didn't say it like that. I mean. <laughs> so let me just see what's going on that uh, we'll, after some time we'll try and land. So now, so we did, uh, we'll just, uh, you know, the way it is, just circling and circling. And the guy don't circle like 15 minutes, saying, and I'm full with the bone. So he said, guys, I'm sorry, we have to go to where. Now, this, now that, the, 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 that's not a new thing I've experienced before, <laughs> even though it was even international. Now, the gist was that some people now started praying. The weather was really bad. You know, you look out, you can't see anything. You can't see the sun, you can't see the ground, you just see cloud all around you. So it was raining heavily. So we're trying, we're kind of above the rain. The guy, so finally, he said, it's clear, no, we're letting go and pack. After that, we'll come back. And the Jesus was there praying in front of me. I don't know how Nigerians behave. Praying at the top of the, I'm not talking about you. Just, Do you know, I told myself something. I, I wanted to tell that lady, just at, at the end, I, I approached her, but I just walked past. I understand that nobody was afraid until you began to pray. Yeah, I didn't perceive any fear in anybody. All of us just relaxed, it's raining, Papa says it's going to worry, so. He said, there shall be no loss. We didn't think there was going to be a loss. <laughs> we, it didn't cross our minds that there was going to be a loss. It was not, you know, it was not an issue. It's weather. Do you get my point? It's normal. The guy said he can't land, and it says for our own safety. That safety is first so that he won't try and land in such heavy rain. Yeah. So please let him go and wait out the rain in nowhere. It wasn't a big deal. I stand in the shoes of Apostle Joshua Selman. I stand upon the authority of Pastor David. Because no, of the Abu German. No, 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 no. No, no, the big. I'm telling you, that's how this girl was praying. If she was beside me, I would jam my elbow. But she was sitting in front. I was looking at this woman. He said, we speak peace to the rain. I said, you that are speaking peace, you are not at peace. <laughs> you can't speak peace unless you are at peace. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Now, so we pray, Rich. <laughs> I am not kidding. I said, asking God, am I normal? Because... Then pilot, after a long time, we don't sit down for like 45 minutes. He said, guys, bless the rain, don't chill, small. More go house. As we take off, we speak to the weather. We... <laughs> Do you know, at the point in time, that first time, I told the man, because there was a way, the lady wasn't too far from me. But I couldn't, because of the turbulence and everything, of course, you're supposed to be belted in, they wanted to land. I couldn't remove my seatbelt. So I stretched, I loosened it to the extreme. My hand couldn't reach her. I told the man in front of me, tap that woman for me. He looked me like, I said, please tap that woman for me. <laughs> now I tapped the woman. Now I said, I said, my sister, God has heard us. We need to hear the pilot. <laughs> yeah, I told her like that. Because the pilot was making announcements. I said, please, God has heard us. Now we need to hear the pilot. Please, can you be silent? 
It was Namik, they can't they look. They didn't look. I was the one they were now looking at. I said, look at these people. I don't, this girl wasn't joking. She was screaming at the top of her voice in an aeroplane. I felt like I said, my sister, before you shout peace, you try and be at peace. At the end of the day, I just look. I said, God, is this how we advertise you? This is how we advertise you? I felt bad, though. I was angry. What did it concern Joshua Selman concerning my aeroplane? What did it concern Paul and Enche concerning the aircraft that I'm flying inside? They're not there here. You carry their shoe, enter my plane. Do you know, I could, I, when I got home, I told my wife, is this what God sent us on this rig so I can experience how Christians are praying? You call this praying? I said, this is not praying, this is panic. Ah, at the end of the day, of course, we land. I felt like the sister said, God has always been good. If there was no way that he was good, if it was no way that he was good. So don't go home and say that God now delivered us safely. He was planning to do it without all this your noise. I looked at there, I said, God. Now, I stopped by that lady now. There were two of them. I was about to tap and say, tap and say, my sister, let me tell you something. Next time before you declare peace to the airwaves, uh, to the wind and the waves, try and be at peace yourself. Because I didn't see peace in you at all. All I saw was panic from the beginning to the end. The pilot said, whether or not good, let's go and wait in the way. He said, there shall be no loss. <laughs> Excuse me? Do you know, the idea of loss didn't cross most of our minds until you told us about it. When I reached out, I told my wife, I think maybe this was what God wanted me to experience. This is what you call praying. I said, my father in heaven. I was there praying. I was, I was not praying about the condition. I was not praying about the people. I said, God, how am I supposed to react to this? My issue was that this is not, you're, you're spreading fear. I didn't hear anything about faith. No. It didn't provoke faith in anybody, as far as I'm concerned, unless you didn't know God beforehand. Me that was sitting down in JJ, thinking of my wife at the airport waiting for me. Now you can't tell me there shall be no loss. I said, she wasn't employing for me to be lost. Now what's your, why are you canceling the loss idea? Look, where did I bring her from that? I felt like telling the woman, and I came to my mind, I said, next time before you speak peace, you be at peace. Somebody who's panicking cannot speak peace. If you're panicking, you can't speak peace. You go and watch Paul in that Acts chapter 27. What did he say? He told everybody, guys, guys, relax, relax, eat something. Nobody's going to die. We're going to suffer loss. You, know, give accurate. you can see he was at peace. He was begging them to eat. I'm sure if I offered that those ladies, you know, something to eat or drink, they would have thought I was the devil. <laughs> Paul offered everybody something to eat. He said, don't worry, relax. We are going to lose this ship. We are going to lose the goods. Why? I spoke the word of God to you guys earlier. Let's not move, but you decided to move. Now everybody will have died, but... I prayed to the Lord. Nobody heard him pray. So he sent an angel, the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve, said to me, I've given you the life of everybody on board. You guys are going to lose the ship, but nobody will die. The man was at peace. So he could give everybody else peace. The man was at peace. So he could give... Now, this is some digression. just wanted to add it. Maybe I'm so used to praying with people in Kingdom World Ministries and similar places. 
I've not heard such prayers in a long time. You call Apostle Joshua Selman on my aircraft. The name of Jesus is not big enough. Are we all right? When Selman was not big enough, he had a name change joint. If we stay there long enough, will you think we're going to enter that plane? <laughs> I feel like I say, my sister, you just called the name of Jesus. Is that one not big enough? Anyway, back to what I was saying. I just wanted to give you Jesus. Wait in my eyes. See. Uh, I, I've seen things so. <laughs> now, what was I saying? We hold on to faith, and faith produces hope. We never, no matter what you see, no matter what you see, never lose it. I'm not the one that started it, he started it, that he heals. I'm the Lord that he led me. So if I lie down there, sick, and I'm dying, I will never tell anybody God doesn't heal anymore. Why? Because my experience is not scripture. My experience is not truth. It's not. The word of God is truth. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Not their experiences is truth. Not what they think is truth. Is thy word is truth. We must never, ever throw away what that word says. No matter what you have experienced. Because many times we don't realize. Like I said earlier, God is calling us based on our ability to hold on to that word. And last time we said that was what impressed him about Abraham. Number two thing we don't realize is that actually by that tenacity of faith and hope, we are bringing his word that is established in heaven into reality on the earth. You see what I said? He said, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled or established in heaven. There's a reason why he said it like that. They now said, taught us to pray later. Pray like this, thy will be done on earth as it is what? Settled in heaven. As it is, that word is as it is in heaven. As it exists in heaven. People often say as it is being done in heaven. No, 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 no. That word is settled in heaven. How is it in heaven? It's established. It's settled. So the way it is in heaven, let it be on the earth. So when we are holding on, when we are praying, that's what we are saying. So if I don't have that experience, do you get my point? What it means is that something is obstructing the flow of heavenly reality into the earth. So holding on to faith is my way of fighting to pull it down into the earth. So that even if I do not see it in my generation, the next generation, if you continue, we add to that spiritual capacity until a time comes, it will burst forth on the earth. So that you find that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all those men died in faith, the Bible says, not having received the promise. But they added the spiritual substance of one generation to another generation until the thing was fully manifested on the earth. So if you believe for something and you personally are not experiencing it, don't worry, you are pulling it down. That's what you are doing. You are, you are pulling it down. You are pulling it down. You are, you are dragging it. Faith is a pull. Don't forget it. That's why he gave us that instruction of prayer. That will be done on earth as it is settled in heaven. If it was done automatically, why would it be a prayer point? It's a prayer point because it is not automatically done. So you have the assignment to bring the reality of it to the earth through prayer, through faith, and through tenacity of hope. That's why I said, look, right on my grave, here lies a man who died believing God. It's with a sign of victory. It's not regret. That statement is with this, you know, this tone of victory. 
They are were overcomers. The world, the earth, Satan could not, through experiences, cause us to change our minds about his goodness. That alone is victory. That alone is victory. I like one illustration. T.D. Um, Jakes, once he was trying to illustrate something. He was trying to explain being more than a conqueror. So he called somebody out. I said, this man is a blessed man. And the pastor was looking fine and handsome, wearing a very nice suit. So everything is going on for him, going on well for him. He's prospering. He has money. Things are working. He's healthy. He says he's a conqueror. And so, if that man he was using for the situation was like, mm, amen, amen. He didn't get the point initially. <laughs> then he called another man out. He said, you, remove your jacket. He said, turn it inside out. The guy turned it inside out. He said, now, cover yourself with it. Crouch over. So that guy looked like things are not working. He said, this man, he has troubles. He's behind in his payments. Not the Americans are behind their payments. <laughs> <laughs> he described things not working well. The first man that things were working well for, he said, is a conqueror. He said, if this man can rejoice and give praise, he's more than a conqueror. That was when we get the point. He wasn't trying to bless the first man. He was saying, it's natural for you to rejoice when things are working well. He said, but if this other man can jump up in praise and worship, then he is more than a conqueror. Listen, it is victory in itself that we held on to faith until the end. When Paul was talking about it, what did he say to Timothy? I have finished, okay, I'm going to lead this to the end. I have run the race. I have finished my course. What's the last one? What's the last one? What's the last one? Say it again. I have kept the faith. That was victory. Through all the circumstances, I kept the faith. I was shipwrecked a number of times. I kept the faith. I was beaten again and again. I kept the faith. There were times we were hungry. I kept the faith. There, was, there were times we were fasting. I kept the faith. We traveled through the, through the peril of you know robbers. I kept the faith. We were betrayed by false brethren. I kept the faith. I prayed, it seemed, and didn't get an answer. I kept the faith. Men walking with me fell sick. I had to leave them behind. I kept the faith. They sent me Epaphroditus to come and help me. Then he fell sick. I prayed and prayed. Epaphroditus did not agree to well. I kept the faith. Then finally it got well. <laughs> I kept the faith. Trophimus, I left, I left sick. I kept the faith. <laughs> And Mark annoyed me. I kept the faith. Then Mark departed from me. I kept the faith. Then one day Philippians remembered me. I kept the faith. <laughs> Through it all, he told Timothy, I kept the faith. The most important thing was not the work he did, not just that fulfillment of his destiny, his assignment, is that in the midst of it all, he kept the faith. Yes? In the midst of it all, he kept the faith. In the midst of it all, he kept the faith. So when you are having troubles, don't think faith is not working. Not the ability to keep the faith is a test. It's what's being tested. That one alone is a test. That in the midst of all of this, you still believe. Job, that's what happened to Job. The whole of the experiences of Job that we know about was to test whether he would keep the faith. Job did everything he knew to do. Have you ever been in a position where you have prayed all the prayers you know? You have confessed. <laughs> you have confessed. 
and you have seen signs and wonders, then finally, everything went bad. And you're wondering, what did we say wrong? Sometimes those who teach faith, sometimes they say something that annoys me. Now at that point, that you change your confession small. I said, brother, I did not. Somebody said that, how you feeling? You said that uh, you're not feeling well. You say, you see, you should have said you are feeling well. No, no. I said, I'm not feeling well. There's nothing wrong with it. The truth is, I'm not feeling well. Feel and truth are two different things. When I say I'm not feeling well, it doesn't mean I didn't believe that God is healing me. I just say right now, the feeling is not well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's not why things went wrong. People think that because you have faith, things never go upside down. They do sometimes. Oh, they do upside down. Just, you're just, you're, you have faith in the Lord, then your ship will capsize. And you're, 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 you're on a mission, no? You're not going to chase women. You're not going to steal. You're not going for APC convention to go and collect delegate money. You were going to preach, yet the, the ship capsized. One day, one brother that wrote me, wrote the ministry, I read the mail. About the, the mail was for me anyway. Told me all the troubles in his life. So I said, please go and read Great Faith Can Be Yours. Read the last chapter. And don't trouble my soul. When he read, it, when he read Great Faith Can Be Yours, he knew that faith doesn't mean it never go wrong. You keep the faith in the midst of troubles. If you want to read the book, you know, I, I, where I went, traveled to over the week, uh, well, this last week, everyone was asking for, at least two different people asked for the book. Where is Great Faith Can Be Yours? I said, we're out of print. So please, tell them, go to the website. If you don't mind, read the digital copy, you know, PDF. It's free. Great Faith Can Be Yours. I've used that book to comfort people clearly now twice that I remember very well. I've used it more than that. Because people think I did everything right. How come things didn't work right? So I said, if I know, why won't I create my own universe? Think it's everything I know just because my name is Pastor Bank. He said, if I don't know now. I give that answer. I don't know. The only thing I can tell you, go and great faith can be yours. You know, two of us passed through it too. Paul said, we're comforted in our enjoyment. Ah. <laughs> we're comforted in our afflictions. That's what he said. Paul had afflictions. He said, we're comforted in our afflictions. He said, so that we'll be able to comfort those who are similarly afflicted with the same comfort with which we're comforted. That is why I, mean, I don't hide my afflictions. Yeah, I grew up learning faith from people who thought that it was a rule to hide the afflictions. If something is not working, you don't talk about it. You come and give testimony so we think your life has been perfect all your life. That's what I thought. Then as I began to grow, then one day I was in church and pastor said something. He said, we do know, he was quoting Paul, that we do not want you to be ignorant of the afflictions that we pass through. Afflictions so great that we despaired of life itself. I said, wait a Paul said, he doesn't want us to be ignorant. I said, in that case. So I said, I wasn't celebrating the troubles, but I wanted everybody to know that we went through troubles too. Yeah. That, that's where I got it from. That attitude. So for any reason, I don't come for Bible study because I'm not feeling well. I will tell them, tell them, I'm at home. I am down. I'm lying down because I have no strength to get up. Don't come and tell them and say, oh, praise God, the Lord doesn't want Banky to be here today. No. It's sickness. <laughs> what is it? It's true now. 
I will tell you clearly. Which month are we now? Okay, it's over a year now, Abby. Yeah, it's over a year that I was missing from here for almost a whole month. That's three straight weeks. Three straight weeks in which I lost seven kg. When I got up, I was light. My trousers said, ha, ah, at last. <laughs> belt said, ha, ah, this man wanted to kill us before the belt. I was ill, my father. I was very, very ill. I couldn't eat. Days will pass. The only thing that I would have taken would be like soup, you know, just might to sip on juice or something. One day my wife said, you are not sleeping. I said, what do you mean I'm not sleeping? I'm sleeping. He said, no, you're not sleeping. And it was during the night, though. I said, what do you mean? He said, every time I open my eyes, you either, you know, either you're on the foot of the bed, you're sitting up, there's a couch in our room, or you're on the couch, or, you know, that there's no time I open my eyes, and your eyes are closed, and you're lying flat. Then it don't know me that is true. And that's been going on for like three days. So I prayed to the Lord that... Uh, my wife just pointed out that I'm not sleeping. I said, Lord, I need to sleep. So I can, you know, I just talked to the Lord. Then I opened my eyes. And the whole house was empty. You know, like rapture. <laughs> Make a long story short. My wife called. You know, she went to work with the kids. Took the kids to school. They all went to school. Called to check how I was doing. So the phone call woke me up. And she said, no. No, I was, I, I was awake when the phone rang. When I picked, he said, oh, you're awake. Ah. He said, you were sleeping so soundly. I didn't want to disturb you. So the time she got ready, the children got ready, they left the house, locked the gates, did everything. I did not wake up. I was sleeping so soundly. The sleep was so sound. She said, don't wake this man up. She gave me some hours, now called. Are you awake now? I said, yes. That's how deeply I slept. Just after a short prayer. I literally hadn't slept maybe more than five minutes at a stretch for days, for like three days. I, I, I like to tell the story. Do you know I like to tell the story? So when you fall sick, you know you will not die. Because if you think I have never fallen sick, when you fall sick, you know you are dead. <laughs> the Lord is good. See, <laughs> Oh, this story keeps coming back to my mind. So let me tell it. If you read that book, Great Faith Can Be Yours, I told the story inside there. My wife was concerned. She was worried about her pregnancy. That the baby was not growing. She was not feeling the baby kick as well as she should feel and all of that. So I told her, don't worry. You'll be fine. So I put my hands on her. And I began to tell her the word of God. I, no. No, I didn't put my hand. I was just talking to her. I was talking to her, I was just talking, look at what the Bible says, quoted scriptures, talked off and down. So I now turned to her pregnant tummy. I said, now baby, give your mother a kick so that she know what I'm saying is true. Boom! The guy gave a kick. Instantly, my wife shouted. Two weeks later, the baby was dead. Can you believe that? Two weeks later, the baby was dead. So, you know, I don't know what, at the end of the day, I said, God, well, Thank you very much. That was um, that was eight months. You think I've never seen trouble? I have. <laughs> you 
11 months later, Akinle was born. Oh, you all know him. 11 months later. And God said, Ay, wait, 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 wait. Akinle jumped classes twice. The primary school in four years, the secondary school, uh, the, yes, uh, the, this primary school, I think, in four years, yes. By the time it was eight or nine, it was in secondary school. The entire university I had to get the vice chancellor to approve his admission. They say he's too young. I had to go to the vice chancellor's office to explain. So he looked at the case and they approved registration. What was God doing? The years that the locust ate. Once my younger brother, it happened to him, something like that. For no fault of his, they delayed his going for NYC for two years. No fault of his. A young man who had a second class upper in engineering, and his professor was disappointed that he didn't get the first class. That he was so good, the prof felt bad he didn't get the first class. He missed it narrowly. He did nothing wrong. So, what was the problem? The school said that uh, they had not confirmed this WIAC result. Or five years. Yes. You know, sometimes you should sue people. You feel like suing them. After suing them, you castrate all the men. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, it's so stupid. I've been with you for five years. You did not confirm my worst results. Now, you say you can't mobilize me for NYC. My university result is complete, too. So you want to be sure I entered the school with genuine results. First year, nothing. Second year, nothing. Wyke has not yet answered them. Let us go ourselves now and talk to Wyke. He said, no, we are not sure you won't manipulate it along the way. I'm not kidding. There are things you look and say, thank God this is not America. Americans, they are coming to that office with a gun. <laughs> yes. When they shoot into the air, tuam, tuam. <laughs> you will call police. They will throw away the gun, put up the hand. Police will arrest them. Then the president will hear that Wyke did not confess. You, 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 you get my point. Sometimes I don't blame who protests recklessly. Finally, God mobilized for NYC. Before he finished NYC, as soon as it was done, he got the job with Telecom. Then his boss loved him so much, he wanted to promote him to a higher level. They said, but he has not yet finished one year here. So they wrote his promotion letter and kept on wait, kept it waiting and told him, look, you have been promoted, but you see, by the rules, you have to do at least 12 months. As soon as the 12 months hit, <clears throat> the, the letter was waiting. He got one or two promotions like that so rapidly that the two years, that's what I'm telling you the story, that then why is it wasted? God covered it like this. The law so covered it. Literally, God gives double for trouble. So. Yes. What's our assignment? First of all, in the midst of troubles, never lose faith, never lose hope. Don't even, don't have this impression that you've done everything right. Why didn't things go, come out correctly? You know what the Bible says? All things work together for good. For them that love God and who are called according to his purpose. How many things? He said all things feel good to those who love God. What did he say? Do they feel good? But they work together for good. So the goodness of it. The, the good feeling of a thing does not decide whether it will work for good or not. It's whether you love God or you don't that matters. No matter how terrible the bad thing is, you know, you heard me preach, God changes the past. I believe that. And one of the ways it does is that it makes that bad thing 
that felt very bad. One of the things it does is that it starts making it feel like it was necessary for your progress. What's our assignment? He said, while we look at the things that are not seen, because the things that are seen are what? Temporal. That is, what is in that is not seen is the word of God, is the truth of God. So we don't lose faith. So all these things work a higher, how do I say again? They are working an effective weight of glory. How did Paul say it again? Our light afflictions work for us what? An eternal weight of glory. Thank you. What I wanted to bring out is while we what? Look at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal. But the things that are not seen are eternal. What I wanted to say, while those things are happening, we have to keep our eyes somewhere. Like I said the other time, a few weeks ago, whether you will be afraid or not depends on what you are focused on. When Peter focused on the Lord, he floated. He was not afraid. Once he turned to look at the waves, you know, that, that uh, flight I was telling you about, <laughs> I, 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 I look out a lot when the plane is flying. I just look around. Just, I just like to look around. This one, I looked out. I don't see anything. And my sister said, there shall be no loss. Thereby putting loss in my mind, you know. <laughs> Before, I wasn't thinking of loss. So I just, after some time, I said, Lord, I mean, just let me see, like, you know, see the sun or see the ground or something. You know, what I just said, what are you looking for? So I, was, I just I put my head back inside the plane and I closed my eyes. I just closed my eyes. Pilot, <laughs> that sister Fredo. God, we declare that the Father will have wisdom what to do. <laughs> I said, you know the point? I, I agree with all those the words apart from the Paul and Nietzsche and um, <laughs> the Chasselman shoes. I, I was okay. Please, for those who don't know, I have nothing against Paul and Nietzsche. <laughs> Or Joshua Selman, just it's crazy for a Christian to be quoting their names in prayer when you're talking to the Lord. I think it's very asinine. You shouldn't do that, okay? <laughs> you shouldn't do it. All right? Once you mention Jesus, that's good enough. Nothing concerning anybody else here is Jesus. You don't see God's name being used attached to people in the New Testament apart from Jesus. Read the whole of the New Testament apart from one time that Peter was telling the Jews a history. They did not use the name of God attached to even Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. Yeah. As I don't hear me quote that when I'm praying. The God of Abraham, lie, lie. In prayer, it's inferior. Oh, it's inferior. What you hear all over the New Testament is God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus displays all those temporal people. Displace all of them. So you now come this Bible. So for those who are just listening to this, get me. I have nothing against Abraham, nothing against Isaac, nothing against Jacob, nothing against Paul and Enche, and nothing against Joshua Selman. Just that think Christians should know which name to use when they want to pray. Just use Jesus alone. There's no co-media tricks with him. You know that's what the Bible says. There's one mediator between God and man. There's one. That's what the scripture says. It is one. The man, Christ Jesus. Thank you. There's no other mediator. The only person we know that mentioned the name of God and the name of Jesus attached somebody else's name, Demon Bitam. <laughs> we adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. 
Now it didn't provoke. <laughs> Listen, just use the name of Jesus. It's good enough. Don't even use the name of your offering. <laughs> the, mo- the name of your seed. Start sowing reckless seeds because you are expecting that your seeds will provoke God. If the name of Jesus cannot provoke him, nothing else can. Anything you add to the name of Jesus in prayer, it weakens the power of that name. That's just an aside for people to understand why that it was not, it's not about the men that were mentioned. Okay? It's about, you don't want to mention Jesus, that name is the most high name. I hope you're getting my point. So back to what we're saying. While we look at the things that are not seen, all things are working together for our good. Even though we don't feel like it. It's not about how we feel. It's about what he determined. It's about what he promised. It's not about what we feel like. Our assignment is keep holding on to faith. Never drop faith for any reason. I said that something at the beginning. Just when you want to start following the Lord, just die first. Just get a rope, hang yourself, die. Then your corpse will now follow him. What does that mean? You have no ambition. You have no personal drive. Nothing you are trying to achieve. God is not a method for achieving your own end. You have no end anymore. Everything is about the him and him alone. So whatever he's promised, you hold on to what he has promised. If he promises something, you accept it. He said, okay, this one I don't want to give you. Say, fine, fine. If you want something, ask him. But don't make deals. Don't tie conditions to following the Lord. To the one day, one girl. I was present with one brother. He was following the how up apparent in their church. You know, God knows why he didn't give me some assignments. Some people are good with it, too. I just, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. God just didn't give it to me. And I suspect why. Ask the brother for some money. That brother said, I don't have. Ask, so she, she, he now says something. It was in my prayer. I think he took the call or text message. He now showed it to me. Say, hey, you told me to leave my boyfriends, but you are not there for me. I said, it's your church. It's your church member. <laughs> doesn't concern me. <laughs> because if I was the one, what I would tell her, she has one of three choices when I'm done. Whether follow the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might, or you go and commit suicide. Yes, you go and hang yourself. Literally, I don't mean the one who's saying that you go and die. I will frustrate you with my words. You go and die. Or third, these are the three options. You go back to your sugar daddies. Meet you in hellfire. Not me. <laughs> you meet them in hellfire. Nonsense. Look at that brother that day. I say, a young woman told you that. I said, they won't dare tell me that. Kind of answer I will give you, you will hate yourself. Nonsense. When I tell you to leave your sugar daddy, that day I will be, I will be a sugar daddy. <laughs> what rubbish is this? Listen, leave your sugar daddies, come to meet bitter Jesus. Listen, this, let's get this clear. No, I'm not, it's, not, it's not negotiation. You don't have to sleep around to be rich. Jesus can make you rich. No. Yes, no, the Red Prince says something. He said, go and read it. The gospel is never presented before the news about judgment. He said, people run away from judgment. That's why they come into the faith. It's not, a, it's not an enticement to good life. The reference says, first judgment, then repentance, then faith. What are you talking about here? 
They want to leave your sugar like this. I will tell you the soul that sins shall die. That's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to try and brag, beg you. No, I'm not promising Jesus to make you rich. No, no. The only thing I can promise is that he will deliver you from hellfire. I can promise that if you repent, he will wash away your sins and bring you into the knowledge of the Father. I can promise that when you die, you go to heaven. As for whether I will make you rich on the earth, sorry. He didn't give me any such promises for you because he doesn't want to entice people who are not serious. He's called Savior. People don't know what Savior. You don't save people who are not drowning. You don't save people who are not, who are not being destroyed. Savior is his name. You must present him as a Savior. Not a prosperitor. <laughs> savior. It means you have been, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him will, will not perish. And he who does not believe has perished already, has been judged already. Ah, why are we here? You'll be doing shakara for me. Say, I say you come and believe Jesus Christ. You say that uh, he told me to leave my brother. You are not there for me. Let me not do what on screen. <laughs> the Lord is good. Oh, what am I going to emphasize here? We follow the Lord with all our hearts. We abandon ourselves to him totally. We hold on to faith no matter what. Our experiences do not define scripture. Faith is the way by which we create new experiences, both for ourselves and for the generations after us. Let's bear that in mind. All right, that's just a preamble. Just trying to give us a general charge concerning. I don't get shocked this often. So I didn't have spoken for that long. <laughs> oh, the Lord is good. So what are, we, what are we saying? Let's go back to where we began from. Okay, I want to try and complete what we talking about. This issue of um, building our lives on the promises of God. So this is what all happens. You come to God empty. Then you start building a new life based on what he said. I hope you're getting my point. That's it. Remember, that's what pleases him. That is what pleases him. It's not your own desires you bring to him when you give your life to Christ. You come totally empty. Then you start building on what he has said to you. You start building on what he spoke. You start building. You start building. That's the substance of your life. He said faith is a substance or the, you know, the substance, the proof of things hoped for. What, what that means is that whatever you're expecting should be because of what he said. Hope is based on information. Hope, which is the proper word in modern English, is expectation, is based on information. It's based on knowledge, the knowledge of things that you have accepted as true. So the world... Natural experiences will give us something, all right, to hope for. Now, hope doesn't mean good now. It just means to expect. But the word of God also gives us something to expect. And so what the word has given us is what we hold on to. So Abraham came to God and said, what do you give me seeing that I go childless? So the hope was built upon certain experiences. He said, Leza of Damascus will be my hair. That was his expectation. Then the word of the Lord came to him and gave him another expectation. And the Bible says that Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him for what? Righteousness. The only thing Abraham Abraham had to say concerning what he was expecting is that God said so. 
I hope you're getting my point. So sometimes when you learn, hear things like, it shall be well, or it is well, it is not because the person is um, blind or stupid, he doesn't know, he can't see what's going on around, it's because he believes one piece of information that is superior to all the other ones put together. And that's because the Lord said to him, it shall be well. And he has that promise that all things work together for good to them that love God. That's it. Those who are called according to his purpose. That's just a confidence. And please, let me realize that that's what God is asking us to do. Don't build your expectation on what is going on around. You know, <laughs> of course, you've heard news about monkeypox. And I, sorry, I don't mean to scare anybody. Eh? But I've been watching the news, what they kept on saying, trying to calm everybody down. You know, I saw the CNN report. They kept on bringing scientists on to come and say that it's not a big deal. It can only be contained. It can only be contained. <laughs> These people are very foolish. Now, what I'm saying foolish is that you are talking based on what you have seen before. Forgetting that what you have seen before should have told that it's only found in Africa. Yes. You're only seeing people who have traveled to those areas. Now you are seen in different parts of the world in people that never traveled. And you don't know how it got there. And you're telling me you can contain it. I say, okay. Continue deceiving yourself. <laughs> you will soon tell us a story of how he jammed coronavirus in the supermarket and then two of them married. And then when they married, it began to spread like wildfire. The God that has been delivering us will continue to deliver us. Yeah. But if you think you want to use that history that it is no, it's easy to contain. It's easy to contain. It's easy to contain. Okay. <laughs> I said this thing. Anyway, that's how the story which after some time noted that it, there was a mutation, it began to spread. You've not asked yourself, this place where we have found it now, we have never found it there. Yet it got there, and we don't know how. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to calm everybody down. I said, you don't, when God is angry, you know, go see. Oui? Pepe. Me, I'm not basing my expectation on the fact that, uh, you know, monkeypox normally stress slowly. Mo- mo- monkeypox, monkeypox normally, it, it takes a long time. To, eh, man, is that no evil will befall us. No plague will come near our dwelling place. Yeah. That monkeypox or baboonpox, whatever it is, <laughs> just leave us alone. <laughs> no, that is the important thing, no. The Lord is good. So we are building our lives on his expectation, and as the Lord will have it, you know, when I was coming, I was meditating, and something was in my mind. And when I came, exactly what Pastor Kemuti was leading us to pray concerning, I said, that case, the Holy Spirit really has confirmed that this is, these are the promises he wants us to look at today. And what is that? You know, I met a man once, and he, was, he kept on telling me, I just want to do, I just want to be sure I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do. You know, many years ago, I, I, I used to go to where I did my house job. I was working in Lagos, but I would take a leave, travel to where I did my house job, and go and work in the church for a few weeks. But that was my own exercise in ministry. I used to do that almost every year. And um, one day, a big minister, all right, in Nigeria, all right, it's a name we all know very well. Two men from his ministry came to that same city to come and plan a program. All right, the pastor was going to come, an evangelist was going to come to do a crusade. So these two men went ahead to go and network with all the churches, you know, just get things ready. So my pastor then now told me to go around with them to assist them. 
So they are young ministers, and we used to go around together, you know, get in the car, go to places, go and visit places, go and inspect, you know, just move around the town together. So in, the, in that course, we now started gisting. So I, 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 of course, I did a lot of talking. And, <laughs> by the way, by the way, they, they made me laugh. They made me laugh because they were full-time ministers working for a ministry, all right? And they had a church. I was supposedly a part-time minister because <laughs> I was a resident doctor working in the teaching hospital in Lagos. Then I'll be telling, when I'm talking, they were doing the listening. <laughs> I don't know whether you're getting my point. It was as if I had more information than them, and I was wondering, guys, this is the only job you do. <laughs> and I was wondering, this is the only job you do. For goodness sake, I have to go. I know the other things I have to do when I get back to Lagos. I'll be telling them stories they've never heard before. I still remember telling them stories about Catherine Coleman's life. And they're like, eh, tell us more. You know that kind of thing? <laughs> You know, these men had not read God's Generals. And I'm looking at them like, you haven't read God's Generals? Are you a ministry? You should be on suspension. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you're a ministry and you're listening to this and you have not read that, that first one, the first one, God's Generals by Robert Leardon, please suspend yourself. Just suspend yourself. Just suspend yourself in the air first. Just say, I'm not going that. In fact, fast, you know, just take an oath. You will not drink, eat or drink until you have finished the book. How can you not have read God's generals? Are you all right? No, it is abnormal for you to be in this generation. You have not read Robert Leardon's God's generals. What was he talking about? He said, the Lord told him, go and study my messengers, my ministers. Find out why they succeeded and why they failed. You shouldn't make mistakes that people ahead of you have made. Come on. You shouldn't now. Read those books. That particular first one has a unique anointing the subsequent ones don't have. So that first one, the anointing. Then let me just add to you, please go and read Gordon Lindsay's John Alexander Dowie. That is, there is a book about the man, John Alexander Dowie. It was written by Gordon Lindsay. That's what I mean. These books are now available online. I don't know about God's Generals, but this other one is free. Yeah, you just, you just get it. All right, and just... Even God's generous. Okay. Just read it, you know. You have to. If you don't read it, you are asking for trouble. Have you ever heard people preaching? They say, and the Lord began to tell me, and you're looking at the Lord did to tell you that. And they think they have been spiritual. Me, in your mind, this boy, you don't get sense. Because you see, yes, it's true. Because <laughs> these are things the Lord has told people 10 generations before you. They've written it in 20 books, and they don't dare to tell you. You're not coming to free, free spiritual for us. You're not spiritual, you are pompous. Come on, go and buy a book and read. <laughs> huh. As I was meditating this morning, began, the Lord began to tell me that, you see, David, he killed Goliath. What are you saying? What's wrong with you? <laughs> no, that's the impression I have sometimes <laughs> when people say some things. I just be bros, relax. Kennedy didn't say that in 1988. Mm. I'm just looking at it. Kennedy said that in 1988. And you have not read the book? And this is 2022. You are trying to tell me the Lord spoke to you. Think it makes it authentic. I'm going to go like you. Half of the things you are saying, it was when you were high that you heard it. Leave us, I beg. I beg, what were we saying? 
So those men, you know, I digress into something. Now, let, let's leave that digression, get back to the main message. So those men, one of them that day, after I were finished, of course, he was so impressed by the way I used to talk. So he called me aside. He said, he said, my brother, he said, you, you're not, you just wanted to confirm. He said, you're not married. I said, no, I'm not married. He said, and you came from Lagos? I said, yes, I came from Lagos. Ha. He said, be careful of Lagos sisters, though. So those of you from Lagos, they say, I should be careful of you if you're a sister. Lagos, Lagos brothers, you're all right, you're all right. They didn't want me about you. It's the answer I gave him that was the issue. Quickly open to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. I just opened my Bible. I didn't open it, but I quoted it for him, you know, by heart. But let's just read it together, since we have not read much today. And that's what I want to teach about, what I told that man that day. He said in verse 26, And I have discovered more bitter than death, the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are chains. One who is pleasing to God will escape from her, but the sinner will be captured by her. Now, let me quickly, again, digress briefly. Please go and read, listen to our series on Ecclesiastes. And in it, I explained here that this, this person here does not have to be, that this, the woman here is, is figurative, okay? But it can also be taken literally. But when Solomon was speaking here, it was, it was figurative, and it was representing, she represented anything attractive and enticing, promising pleasure and comfort, you understand? That's what it represents. But in this context, let's just take it literally. But that's just to quickly do a digression and I recommend that people should go and listen to that series, The Book of Ecclesiastes. It's in uh, it's our it's on our collection on our website. Okay? Just I forgot how many about twelve eh, twelve? About twelve, thirteen messages. Please just go and listen to them. All right? Anyway, so I told his brother that day, I said, I just I don't I think I brought out my scripture, I quoted it by for, for, for him by heart. I said, and I discovered more bitter than dead the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are chains. One who is pleasing to God will escape from her, but the sinner will be captured. So I told him, whether I'm in Lagos, Los Angeles, wherever it is, I said, as long as I am pleasing to God, I will escape from those women that you are telling me to be careful of. And the words I gave him for the first time I used that expression. I said, my brother, even if I'm in the midst of a thousand Jezebels, I want to marry one. That was what I told him. Now, many of us think that it means you know how to hear God. Let me tell you something. Eh? One of the things you shouldn't bother yourself with in life is learning how to hear God. Now, you see, see, saying it, I know I'm almost alone, apart from those of you who love me who believe in what I say. Uh-huh. Because most preachers who preach it, they will tell you how to hear God, how to tune your ear frequency. The time that God speaks. God normally doesn't speak between 12 noon and 2 p.m. <laughs> no, no, that's demonic activity. <laughs> you know, so God tends to speak more between 3 and 5, you know, because those are the early hours of the morning. Jesus rose the great while before dawn. You know, that's how we are. We have scriptures to say anything we want to say. Really. <laughs> now, they said all those kind of things. You know, like, and I can prove it to you. The people that heard God in scriptures, none of them practiced it. None. They told Amos, go back to Samaria and go and be prophesying there. He said, prophet? I'm not a prophet. 
I'm not the son of a prophet. He said, I'm a keeper of, is it goats, he said, and I keep sycamore trees. That I'm a shepherd and I keep sycamore trees. But the word of the Lord came to me. The guy didn't know how to hear God. He was farming when the Lord tapped him. Go and tell them in Judah. Was it, where, where did they come from? Is it Judah or... Hello, you know, he was from one part and went to preach in another part. Okay. Again, I tell the story of Samuel. Samuel was small. And the Lord shouted and he heard physically. He didn't hear in his spirit. It was so clear to him, he thought that Eli called him. So when I met Eli, Eli woke up and Samuel said, sir, you called. He said, no, I didn't call. Go back to sleep. Sorry. Okay. They went back to sleep. And then the boy came again and said, sir, you called. Ah. Again, Eli woke up. I didn't call you. So Samuel went back to sleep. The third time, he heard it so clearly and the voice sounded like Eli's voice. That's the cause of the confusion. If he had heard, Samuel, Samuel, he would think he's his grandmother from the village. voice was manly. It sounded like an old man's voice. So he says, sir, in long time you didn't call me. This time around, I heard it clearly. <laughs> now Eli said, something is strong here. Something strong is going on here. He said, go and lie down. If he, it was, Eli was definite about it. If he calls you again, say to him, speak, Lord, for your servant listens. So at least we know God sounds like Eli. <laughs> We've learned that one today. <laughs> now, the emphasis is that someone didn't practice it. It was forced upon him. When God wanted to speak to Saul for the first time, Saul was fighting Jesus. And Jesus showed up. Hey, 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 relax, relax, guys. Wait, 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 Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Saul did not exercise his spirit. I hope you are getting my point. Peter, whom Jesus personally taught, when the Lord wanted to speak to him, he acted one big drama on one big sheet. And the big sheet came down. I, mean, I don't mean shit came down from heaven. I mean the big sheet came down from heaven. And the Lord said, arise, kill, and eat. And that happened three times. So please, don't, let's not make it look like God is trying to hide himself. No. Let's not make it look like he likes to hide like that. Listen to me. He likes to make his will known. Let's bear that in mind. Okay? I'm done teaching details about how to know the will of God. If you want to learn, please read our book, Guided by the Spirit. I taught in that book extensively. In fact, the whole book is about it. All these things I'm saying, they're inside the book. Okay? So Christians sometimes think that no. And that's why many times people come and tell me the Lord said to them. See, just for your information, what you are telling me the Lord said to you. I'm looking for, well, if it's your personal life, I don't have a problem. You can say anything to you. All right? If you want to affect me with it, you have a real problem unless I can see the prophetic anointing. Because I've seen all kinds of people. Depends on the, what they ate at night and what they smoke, they hear things. So whatever you are saying, I first, I'm, I, I'm, it's the scripture inside I'm listening for. All right? Even if you're a prophet, the Bible says, says I should test you. So please don't come and harass my soul. Again, when it's your personal life also, I'm looking at you with suspicion. Because, you see, God doesn't speak to people who are not habitually obedient to common knowledge truths. Do you get my point? You have to be a habitual follower of the common knowledge truths of scripture. 
And many of the times people come and say, God spoke to them. I say, why did you need God to tell you that? Why didn't you just come to ask me? I would have told you in scripture. It's simple. It's straightforward. So, Pastor Banky, you are saying that we shouldn't practice how to hear the voice of God. Yes, that's precisely what I said. What should we practice? How to obey the ones that they reveal to everybody. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because if the Lord speaks to me, I will, I will do what he said. God said, hey, the ones that have spoken to everybody, have you done it? Forgiveness, how are you doing in that area? Give, how are you doing in that area? I hope I'm getting my point. There are so many things that I've said so clearly. Don't be afraid. How are you doing in that area? You know, there are so many things I've said. Take no thought for the morrow. How are you doing in that area? At least that one is clear. You don't have to argue on, did I hear the voice thing in reverse? No, forget the voice thing now. How are you doing in the area? The one that is clear to everybody. Do not lay up treasure on the earth. You start explaining it away because you read one book by a motivational speaker who knows how to plan financial future for you. You finish reading, don't lay up treasure on the earth. Then you put it aside. How to lay up treasure on the earth? And you want to balance the two. How do you balance truth with a, with a lie? So what am I saying? Don't bother about hearing the voice of God. He has spoken loud enough for everybody in the scriptures. So what if there are certain things not said in the scriptures? That's where I was going. That's what today's message is about. That's what the confession today will be. He has, listen to this. It is his duty. That's the word. If you don't remember anything, remember this one. It is his duty to lead you in the path of righteousness for his namesake. That's what I'm say. Listen, when it comes to, and that's the message for today. Because I heard you praying little prayer earlier about destiny, walking the divine destiny. And before I came here, the Lord had put that thing on my heart. For people to rest, don't worry. I will lead you into your destiny. Genesis chapter 12. We need to read the particular scripture. Now we are, these are the promises. These are the promises. People have come to me before. I don't know which one is my ministry. I said, just do the one you can do for now. Leave it. Your ministry will manifest later. People are looking for titles. A man, apostle. Prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. Let me tell you what you are. You are a child of God. Leave it like that. <laughs> Leave it like that. You are a child of God. As life is moving on, Paul talked about each of us having grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Is there any time you find the area of your grace, exercise yourself there accordingly. As life goes on, as God opens doors of opportunities, you will find things that you do with grace. What does grace mean? Grace means an empowerment that is beyond you yourself. Once my mother and I were talking, I was a university student. I didn't know, I had spoken and spoken and so, so he said, he called me in the university talk up normally, but let me just say Banky. My mother doesn't call me Banky unless she just wants to heal me, you know? <laughs> so he just said, Banky. Do all your friends talk like this? She thought it was an influence of University of Benin and my fellowship that I went to. I didn't remember that day. She's like, is that how all of you talk in your fellowship? Then I paused. I never thought about it. I didn't realize that I was already using an anointing to talk to my mother. I didn't remember one day I got home. At the door, almost I was for the first five minutes as I was. No, no, she asked something like, like, something like, how are you? How have you been? I have been fine. You know, God is very faithful. Did he not say, the Lord is my shepherd? You know, I kept on explaining, talking about, you know, we stood at the door of the house. I was just arriving. My bag was still on my shoulder. So opportunities will come. You know, you know what you have grace for. I hope you're getting my point. And what does, it, what does grace mean? Grace means empowerment. Boy, say each of us has grace 
according to the measure of the gift of Christ. All right? He now said, let each... I want to explain something there. Please read it for me. I don't want to... Okay, now I think I can open it too. He said, let each exercise them, what? Accordingly. That's New American rendering. New American style rendering, Romans chapter 12. Okay, yes, I wanted to read something. He said, through the grace given to me, verse 3, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of what? Faith. What does that mean? Let me quickly explain it. Faith in this context just means, I don't have time to explain in detail, I just say it briefly. It just means confidence. Confidence. There are things you do, you know, there's, you do them with what? Confidence. It's, 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 it's confidence. It's, it, it, some people say, you know, you, you have to go and pray. Some people like to fast and pray before they preach. You understand? I have a rule. Never preach on an empty stomach. <laughs> yes, I break it once in a while, but generally I try not to. Preaching on an empty stomach is dangerous to your health. That's what I found out. It's not scriptural. Personal experience. I'm not trying to say some people say they have to fast before they can preach. Me, they have to eat before I can preach. <laughs> Do you get where I'm going? Yes. Because, I'm, I, go and fast. On a, no, no. Last convention we had, Pastor Chris, everybody must fast every day, like afternoon. I said, okay, you are the boss, so we are going to do what the boss says. And as I should preach, I said, go, come. I should do it. I should come and preach. And you gave me two full hours. So I will go do them now. Can I drink juice? He said, yes. I said, okay, good. Give me my juice. <laughs> I didn't have a problem with going hungry, but, okay, if you want to know why. You know, when you're talking, you use a lot of fluid, a lot of energy, okay? So experience taught me that when my mouth is dry, I bruise my mouth. So I've learned to make sure that I'm well hydrated. And if you see, generally, if I, it's only here that I actually drink when I'm teaching. Most of time I'm outside. I don't touch anything from the beginning to the end. Don't drink water. Anything. So I've learned to hydrate myself before starting. Nothing spiritual about it, just my personal experience. I'm just trying to say that, yes, some people say, no, if they don't fast, they can't preach. Mine is the opposite. <laughs> but I don't eat before going up to, no, I don't make myself heavy. But I have to be well hydrated and have some glucose. I tell you one day for the product cut, I won't do it again. Where is the Reverend Yinka? That day we drove all the way from Undo to Portacot. Israel and Co. had gone ahead of us. We came and met them. That night, I don't know what happened. I think I didn't eat much or something. In the morning, before I got ready, it was time to go and preach. Now I go preach. I preached from like 9.30 straight to like 12.01. Oh, yes. There's only a short break in between. When they took announcement, I came back up to take, you know. Do you know, at the point in time, eh? my chest had a pain in me. <laughs> I thought I was having a heart attack. <laughs> you know I'm a doctor. Some of you don't believe it, but actually I'm... <laughs> No, I have a bachelor's in medicine and surgery. Some of you. Will be like, <laughs> it's hard for some people to believe. When they hear me preach, they are shocked. <laughs> I mean, pathologists by treating, I'm telling you, I know a lot about diseases. More than 99% of doctors you'll ever encounter in your life. No kidding. <laughs> so as I was preaching, I was checking my pulse. <laughs> as I was preaching, I said, oh boy, am I having arrhythmias? <laughs> After a while, I'll go sit down. Look, what is going on? In my mind, fool, you have not eaten this yesterday. <laughs> I'm so okay. <laughs> that is, my whole system was upside down. I had not eaten. And I, oh, 
the Ondo I'm coming from, I preached for a few days. Old. So preaching has been going on for this, for this. <laughs> now, that's just an aside, we're just gisting. But the point I'm trying to make is that for some people, no, they don't fast and they can't preach. For me, if I don't eat, man. <laughs> but I'm talking about the confidence. That's my emphasis. Confidence, grace. There are things you just find out you know how to do. Have you seen an artist draw or paint? You really can't teach that thing, really. You can perfect it for them, but the draw is in them. That's what they call grace. But the person approaching it with confidence. And the more you exercise, next line, he said, from that verse 4, for just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. I'll stop reading here. As we exercise your gift or that grace, the confidence, the measure of faith keeps building up. It keeps building up. It keeps building up. The confidence with which I approach, what if I'm told to come and preach now? The confidence with which I approach now is not the same confidence I used to approach maybe 20 years ago or 30 years ago or even five years ago. It's not the same confidence. Now, what I just need, the just first line, what will I use to start is what I need. Once I have one scripture, just go and tell them the Lord is your shepherd. That is, once I start, the Lord is your shepherd. That's, I can keep you for five hours. Depends on the congregation. Just by the way. When you see northern Christians, respect them. They can sit down in church. I'm coming from Joss. The second day I preached, I preached for like two hours. When I said, ah. They, they like to close because of transportation issues at a particular point in time. So I just made the joke. I said, ah. I told the chaplain, ah, okay. I, I better go. You would need to arrange more time for me. I, thought, I just said it off just jokingly. The guy took an announcement, just managed the pulpit. Tomorrow's meeting is going to start one minute, one hour earlier. That's it. They added one hour on the spot. So next day, I had three hours to talk. Now, so there Sunday service, I had two hours. Yeah, Sunday service. All you Lagos people. <laughs> I'm seeing you from here. Church service, 45 minutes. Fast food, Jesus. <laughs> the Lord is good. What I'm going to say, so you see, confidence builds up. It increases as you use it. And that's what the Bible calls faith. You start with a measure of faith. Why did I go into all of that? Don't worry about which one is my, my don't look for name. Don't look for name. Eh? Which my office? Am I an apostle? There are some apostles that are not apostolic. <laughs> they, they, can't, they don't go anywhere. Apostle based in Enugu. Never left. Has never been to Udi. Let's leave that thing. <laughs> Like Kenegin will say, give you an American way of talking. He said, you can put a lab- any label you like on a can, does not put anything in the can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can just say, this is fruit juice, still empty. Mm-hmm. Remove the label, say, dog food, it's still empty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Lord is good. I said, the Lord is good. So, let, what am I going to say? It's not those knowledge of, I have called you to be an apostle, just start moving on in life. We will find out later. What you are. I said, you put somewhere? Genesis chapter 12. I want to read that in a particular. We'll first read in the general 
version we all have, then I will now read a particular version, which many of us don't use, but the day I encountered it, oh, I said, this is so beautiful. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. Let me just stop reading there because of time. God said to him, go forth to a land that I will show you. Now, please allow me to read that in the uh, what is it called now? In the Bible in basic English translation. All right. So now the Lord said to Abraham, go out from your country and from your family and from your father's house into the land to which I will be your guide. Did you hear that? He said into a land to which I will be what? Your guide. God didn't. See, you must understand something. God doesn't often give fine details. He just guides. So you have to work with him on a day-to-day basis. The Bible listening to me right now, within the next one month to six weeks, they will be in Botswana. And as of today, the idea hasn't crossed their mind. And in the next six weeks latest, the individual is going to be in Botswana. Yet as of today, he or she hasn't thought about it. Some don't even have a passport yet. Or it's expired. Yes, God is saying in the six weeks, you'll be, you, you'll be in Botswana. As many of you, the Lord will say to you, you know, one brother said, well, God cannot surprise me because, you know, he was preaching. And it meant well. And like, uh, you know, what he was trying to say is that I have so much expectation, you know, there's nothing he does that will surprise me. I say, you don't know the, the meaning of the word God. If not the meaning of the word God, there are some things you don't say. Please, I'm going to say something here. He doesn't always give those details. He can literally surprise you. How does he do it? How would he take somebody like that to Bozon as an example? He can go to work tomorrow. As already the company will say, or in the office, they just say, hey, there's a particular thing that, okay, it can even be a federal government office. It can be a private company, anyone. They just say, something's happening, you know, they need to send some people for a particular training. The boss will just say, it looks like you, you can be trained in this particular area now. The person will say, yes. Okay, write your name down here. Two weeks later, I say, please, look at ah, the training. Without, uh, uh, the way they say it, without going to be in Abuja. No, they say it's Abuja, they're having the general preparatory, preparatory issue. Please drop your passport, so we have to send it to them. Then return it with a visa to go to Botswana. I say, oh, that's where the thing will be. That you get a due training for three weeks. Some people have to be retained behind because you're training for that. They will not be the international. Next thing you know is that, do you mind relocating here for two years? God works strangely. Do you know, strangely. Derek Prince will tell you the story. Derek Prince, I listen to, I've listened to many of his messages. I listen to him a lot. He will tell you that, of course, he was a British man born in India to British parents. War took him to what is now Israel, okay? Palestine, then after North Africa. Then after the war, he came back to his home country, United Kingdom. Then there was something to do. Some people said he should come and do some, make a long story short. He went to Canada. He didn't work out the, what he planned. Then a friend of his had told him that anytime you come to the United States, please come, come to my church, something like that. So he decided to go to the U.S. to visit now, if you know the, the rules about um, those countries and mi- migration or travel, he's a British citizen. He doesn't need a U.S. visa, really. But you need to get a permit to enter. So he got to the Canadian, that's U.S. border in Canada, and said that um, 
is going, of course, he had his, uh, his wife, and he has a little daughter that time who he adopted when he was, he was in Kenya for a brief period. So he had this African daughter, all right, that was with, with them. So her picture, her own the credentials was on his passport. Making long story short, the person asked and said that, um, how long do you intend to stay? He said something like, maybe like six months or six months. I can't remember the exact details now. Just escape me. But let's make this long story short. So the man said, that is too long for an ordinary visit. The border immigration officer. And he said that, well, if you know those kind of situations, never argue with those kind of people. Basically, they are too powerful. And whatever they say is final. So he just looked at the man and said, well, well, that was the plan I had, but maybe you could help me. So the man looked at him and said, well, why don't, you, why don't I get you an immigrant visa? The guy went in, pressed on people, came back. He had immigrated to America without planning it. He stood at the border to get permission to enter for a few weeks. The person said, that's rather long for a simple visit. Let's just make it an immigrant visa. You are, you are migrating. So he arranged, while he waited, they migrated him to the United States. Then when he got there, all right, a number of things happened. He went to one church, worked for some time. But because, you know, Americans are funny. British accent intrigues them. You know, the way we, you know, rah, 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 rah. No, when they hear a British accent, like, whoa, from the mother country, you know, that kind of attitude. So, one, he had a British accent. Two, he taught the scriptures. He didn't shout. And three, he believed in miracles and operated miraculous things. So that combination for Americans was something else. That's how his ministry took off. He became so busy. Let's make a long story short. That was how he ended up becoming an American citizen. It was never planned. Now, it's not as if God didn't use to lead him through interesting you know, methods of giving him um, 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 clear visions, of giving him instructions. There are times you hear the, word, the voice of the Lord speaking to him. But how he ended up in America is what I just told you. He didn't hear a voice from anywhere. Listen, the ability to walk in the will of God for your life is not dependent upon whether you know how to hear voices or not. It's whether your heart is totally following God, whether your heart is pure towards him or it is not. I see people with impure hearts praying in tongues until they can hear a voice. You will hear evil spirits. People say when you pray in tongues, demons run away. It's not true. You can pray in tongues from now until tomorrow. They are waiting. Your heart is not pure. The prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. So if you have something in you, pray in tongues from now to tomorrow, they will stay there. I hope you're getting my point. If the heart is not right, you can't use tongues to drive away the demons. They will still talk to you. If you like speaking in tongues, from, people have finished fasting and praying. Then they open their mouth to talk. Say, this guy is lying. He had the lying spirit. Sometimes people go to fast and pray to do what they always wanted to do, but to give it a cloak of spirituality. I made the decision after three days on the mountain. Uh. You made it long ago. But you have to be able to tell us you prayed for three days. What is important is that your heart is pure towards the Lord. Whether you hear a voice or not, you know what, Abraham? I'm taking you to a place into which I will be your guide. How does God guide people? Different ways. There are different ways. We don't have time to go into the details now. There are different ways he guides people. I'll just give about four examples randomly. We know about those supernatural things like dreams. Come over to Macedonia and come and help us. Why did he need to hear, come over to Macedonia? The door had been closed against him twice. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, he leads like that. So we talk about the Macedonian call. People call, come and do this for us. And it just seems right. 
People ask me once, oh, how did God speak to you? One brother asked me, how did God speak to you concerning the wife that you married? I said, the officiating priest said, I'll pronounce you man and wife. <laughs> this was what I asked. He said, did God speak to you concerning the wife you married? I said, yes. So how did he speak to you? I said, the man said, I pronounce you man and wife. <laughs> the brother, <laughs> he almost fell down from the chair. He was sitting on one high stool in my office. He almost fell down with laughter. What are you speaking to here? I said, my friend, I saw the girl, I liked her, I married her. What, what else are you looking for? Pastor Banky, yes. I said, I married the girl I liked. She cannot. Nothing more than that. Honestly, nothing more than that. The first day we met, I just finished talking like this. I was standing. And she stood, she wanted to ask me something. And as soon as she finished talking, I looked at her. And in my mind, I said, hmm, fine girl. And that was 1998. Next year, I don't marry and finish. 23 years later, we are still married. I'm feeling good about it, I'm telling you. God spoke to you. Arise, Benke. I'm getting <laughs> nothing. I stood there, JJ. Now, you know I have spiritual eyes now. I cannot look from the realm of the spirit and look back. An angel just told her. She wanted to go. An angel said, wait. She told the angel, wait for what? I want to introduce you to somebody. Spiritual eyes, though. By faith, I'm seeing what I'm saying. I didn't see it, but, you know, by faith, eyes, you know, I'm seeing things. Amen? And then the Lord, another angel, there were two angels, one, two, two, three angels, two on her side, one. Two whole arm, like, you're not going anywhere. One said, this bank here, don't, we don't need two angels. One angel is enough just to turn his eye. And she just called him and said, please, I want to ask you something. I said, go ahead. She asked the first question. Ah, I said, that answer is kind of long, and I'm tired, and I've been speaking for a while. She said, okay. Okay, she had three questions. I asked the second one. As she was talking, I did look the girl with the talk like this. She has asked the third question. I quickly answered the third one. In my mind, ha, ah, fine girl. So, and I said, that first question, can we talk about it later? <laughs> Please read my book. Shall I say yes? I explained it inside there. He said, listen, the question you ask is, that, what kind of girl do you like? That's the question. That is the question. If you read that book, you will get it. When I say I married a girl, I like, don't, don't be confounded. Don't misunderstand me. It's the kind of person that the Bible talks about. He said, charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Now, I'm going to explain something here. Sometimes we get so caught with, did you hear, did you not hear? That's not what God wants, brethren. He wants a heart that is right. A heart that wants to do his will. A heart that wants to do that which is pleasing to God. A heart that continually obeys the common instructions. All things we have been saying. When it says, pray without ceasing, a heart that prays without ceasing. When it says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, a heart that loves the Lord his God with all parts of it. When it says, don't be anxious about tomorrow, the heart that is not anxious about tomorrow. Do you get my point? If the heart is perfect towards him, doesn't mean never makes mistakes. Do you get my point? Look, when the Bible is the word perfect, don't get the impression that it's talking about somebody that never makes mistakes. It means that a heart that has one focus, one goal, one desire to do the will of God. That's what he wants. And when God finds that kind of heart, make all the mistakes you want. God will correct you. I'm giving you the promise you build your life on. If God finds that kind of heart, eh? There's, oh, let me put this. There's nothing wrong you can do. Nothing. 
Nothing. If that heart is perfect towards him, we're about to do something that should be wrong. He's waiting for you there. As you enter, boom, he will beat you. Go back. I hope you're getting my point. See, God uses visions and dreams and all of that to lead, but that's not the only way. I've heard people of faith teach that uh, he doesn't use circumstances. He does. He does. He does. You make plans to go to a place where you're not supposed to go. Eh? Because there's no problem. The day you want to go like this, sit at home. (laughs) Time will not allow him to start telling stories. He will just close the door one after the other. Everything will just go against you. That's why if you block all my attempts, I just keep making the reasonable attempts. Once all of them have been blocked, I'm not going again. Well, I, I'm not going again. I, know, I, don't, I don't want to tell you stories. But I've seen God do it to me again and again. You just close the door. This door is closed. It's closed. Somebody says that, okay, what if it's Satan that's trying to hinder you? This is what I say. Look at that door. Push it open in Jesus' name. If it does not open, Jesus is behind it. <laughs> I, Jesus is behind it. <laughs> you can't rebuke him. Forget that thing. <laughs> if it is Satan, he will run away. Look, listen. Believers, be persistent in doing what is right. That is one thing. Be persistent. But then when you find a power bigger than you, obstruct, you've prayed, you're prophesying, you are doing what is right. Uh-uh. And still the thing doesn't work. Only one person can do it in your life. It's called God. It guides different ways. Sometimes you just use a need. All right? Because you have a good heart. Let me go over there and go and help somebody. God won't tell you that when you get there. Look at Saul. How did God send? You know, God said to Samuel, about this time tomorrow, I'm going to send that man I've told you about to you. Saul heard nothing. Saul did not hear anything. Yet God told Samuel the prophet, I will send him to you. How did Saul reach there? He lost his father's animals. He was missing. They told him to go and look for them. After two days of looking, he said, let's go back home before they start worrying about us. Then the servant said, but there is a seer here. So do you have anything? How do you go and see a seer empty-handed? The man said, I have small money. Let's go. And they got there. Meanwhile, what was God? As soon as they approached, God said, hey, that is the guy I said I would send to you. The man didn't hear a voice. He sent a man ahead of them. He spoke concerning Joseph. How did he get there? His brothers bundled him and flung him into a pit. And they brought him out and sold him as a slave. And it was the Lord sending a man ahead of them. Let's get this clear. But what should you bear in mind is that the Lord has a promise concerning your life. Let's rise to our feet and begin to read those promises. So don't worry. You have not heard a voice. You will still fulfill the will of God. You are not sure of which, which ministry is yours. I'm telling you, you will still fulfill the will of God. Amen. The destiny for your, of God for your life will be fulfilled. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God said, if you love with, with all your heart and you are obeying the things that I'm saying regularly, this is what I will do. Isaiah chapter 58. Quickly open to that. Isaiah 58. Remember, we are talking about resting in the promises of God, building our lives so as to kick fear out of our lives entirely. Isaiah 58, it says this, verse 11. Are you there? Yes, We're going to read verse 11 together. This is a, I'm giving you this as the word of God for you this evening. One, two, let's go. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones 
and you will be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Now, this is the word of the Lord concerning you. Amen. The Lord will guide you continually. Amen. I will say that again. The Lord will guide you continually. Amen. I will say it again. The Lord will guide you continually. Amen. Psalms 32, quickly. If your heart is right, your heart is perfect towards him. This is what he will do for you, Psalm 32. We are going to read verses 8 and verse 9, then focus on verse 8. We'll read 8 to 10, all right? Now, I told you, if you love the Lord, if you like, miss the road. He will send you back on the right road. Amen. If you like, plan what is wrong. He will make sure that plan does not succeed. Amen. Say amen now. Amen. If you love the Lord, your mistakes will be corrected by him. Amen. If you love the Lord, even the mistakes you made yesterday, they will look like a plan for today. Amen. If you love the Lord, he will make your path straight. Amen. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path, or he will make your path straight. What was he saying? The path was crooked. He has four, uh, four exits. He will close three, leaving only one for you. Yes, that's it. He will direct your path. When he say he will direct your path, if you read King James in that Proverbs chapter 3, he says he will direct your path. So in the pressure you have is that, you know, you know, a lot of Pentecostal pronouncers say, as you are going, the Holy Spirit will say to you, turn right. Then you turn right. The Holy Spirit will say, turn left. You turn left. The Holy Spirit will say, Holy Spirit sometimes does that. He hardly does it. You think of, Holy Spirit is a chatterbox. looking for what to say. What God does is transform people and lead them. Before you read that junction, you think everybody sees all the junction. You will see only one road. God will close every other road. That's God making your path what? Straight. It will just close the other roads. You will get to some road. There are four roads that lead away from that place. It will say, you, I have taught you enough. You know this road is wrong. This one is wrong. This one is wrong. Three are wrong. Only one is right. You take the right one. That's just the way it works. That's what it means to make your path straight. And we are building on those promises. God will lead you on the right path. Amen. Listen, like I told that brother that day, I said I won't marry a wrong woman. I didn't have methods though. 17 keys for knowing a woman that is wrong. You know what the Chinese man said? Men often meet their destiny on the road they chose to avoid it. So all those 17 keys to use to identify the woman that is wrong will lead into the family of Jezebel. I hope you're getting my point. I told that brother that I did, one day, one, 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 there was a book written in Nigeria one time. I disliked the book and I still read it. Like, and I'm telling you, don't you say, is it like 700 questions? Is it 300 questions to ask before you say I do? I said, is it interview I came for to marry you? <laughs> and I read the stories inside. I said, is this what Christianity is about? Because when people want to marry, they are still doing family investigation. Is there a madman in their family? <laughs> You've heard my prophetic word. There's no family without a madman. There's no, you just have not identified him yet. You are looking for madman in the family where the father is crazy. What are you talking about? You just will not know. The old man is crazy, but he's quiet. You are doing, you are doing investigation. And some of these so-called families that have mad people, it's poverty that's the problem. It's true. Frustration decreases. Normal human being will go mad when he's properly frustrated. <laughs> I'm telling you, you have not gone mad. You, you never jam. Just pray, say, look, look, you know, Yorubas have a way of praying. When they want to pray for you, say, Oh, Jew, Niribi. 
It's a powerful prayer in Yoruba. Like, it means that, may you not see trouble. <laughs> you just pray. You just pray for it that you will not see trouble. Because when you see proper trouble, you go crazy properly. <laughs> Tell me, say, look, go and read the message. It's all called multifactorial disorders. <laughs> what do you mean by multifactorial? The gene is there. But if he doesn't see what Allah outside, you know, go show himself. Yeah, a lot of disorders in life. The, the abnormal gene is there. But no, they show unless you see Wala. So many families you go where there's no where there's no mad person. They've never seen trouble. <laughs> Grandfather was well to do. Father was a very accomplished civil servant. And they caught today now. Everybody's educated. God has been showering money on them. We draw the money for three weeks. You go see all the boys will be high on the boat before you know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Trust in the law with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. This commandment he gave, in all your ways, acknowledge him. As you're about to make that choice, say, God, you know I don't know. You are the one that knows. I have done what I think is right. Lord, lead me in the path of righteousness because I represent you. For your name's sake. Psalm 32. This is the promise of God. We read it together again. We're reading from verse 8 to verse 10, F to verse, um, let's just read to 11. Let's finish it. Are you there? Yes, Want to let's go? Right. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as a horse or as a mule which have no understanding, whose trappings include beat and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy all who are upright in heart. Can you see the problem here? Is that you are wicked? Many are the sorrows of the wicked, and that is not your portion. Because you have repented of wicked ways. He said, he who trusts in the Lord, Loving kindness has surrounded him. Anytime you see the word surround the Bible, we're talking about protection. You're talking about defend. Defense. Loving kindness shall correct his mistakes. I hope you're getting my point. He said, be glad in the Lord. Rejoice, you righteous ones. And shout for joy all who are upright in heart. So the problem is for the wicked. Who will not follow the, not to do the common instructions? Is the common instructions God is asking you to follow. When they say, love the Lord, love the Lord. Don't follow after Baal. Don't follow after Baal. Israel had ten commandments. Christians have two commandments. Love the Lord that God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. A new commandment I give unto you. That you love one another. Walk in love. Love is patient. Love is kind. You see all those love things in First Corinthians chapter 13. You walk in them. That's what he means by I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. The common instruction is for everybody. If you follow it, if you follow it, this is the word of the Lord. Loving kindness will surround you. Amen. Your mistakes will not make you fall. Amen. Look, listen, God will let you trip so you can be corrected. But you get up quickly, you will be corrected. Amen. Listen, you know, let me tell you, when God says, the years that the locusts ate, the palm one, the canker one, my great army, I sent the midst of you. Do you know what, who sent the army? God. Do you know why? Because of their sin. Yet, he was going to restore double unto them. I don't know whether you're getting the point. That's the meaning of forgiveness. When God forgives you, he blesses you. 
But sometimes, don't do it to them. I just want to say, sometimes some people they say, let's just, let's just sin. Then let's be punished. Then we've got punish us 10,000 naira, he'll give us 20,000 naira. <laughs> no, that's how God does it to But don't try that though. <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you that the way he behaves. You know, you think about a parent, a child is misbehaving, he said, no, this is why I'm warning you. Finally, the child does something, twerking, twerk, twerk. The child will cry. When he finishes crying, they will rub the head, kind of the lap. Oh, yeah, give me that sweet. He collects sweet. You know, there will have been no sweet if there was no disobedience. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. That's what God does to those he loves. You know, he wants to take care of you. I perceive the people listening to me today, they've been waiting to hear from God. God said, don't worry, this hearing, hearing is not necessary. When I want to talk, I will talk so loud, you will think everybody heard it. You will think everybody heard it. You will think everybody heard it. In the meantime, what do you do? Just constantly obey common instructions. Remember, this is another promise. All things work together for good to them that love God and who are called according to his purpose. Now, can you just confess that to yourself in prayer, meditation? All things are working together for my good. All things are working together for my good. All things are working together for my good. That's the prayer. The confidence we have, knowing we will walk into a destiny. It's not about having fine details. God will make all circumstances work for you. God will make troubles work for you. God will make comfort work for you. God will make discomfort work for you. God will make enemies work for you. God will make friends work for you. God will make difficult situations work for you. God will make easy situations work for you. God will make messages you hear speak clearly in, in direction for you. That's what he does. So thank God that all things are working together for your good. He said, I will take you into a land into which I will be your guide. He will lead you. He will lead you. Quickly, let's declare Psalm 23 together. Let's open to it quickly so we can read the same version, Psalm 23. We read it again last time. Beautiful to do it again today. Psalm 23. We'll read this one and then we'll close with it. Oh, if you are blessed, give me an amen. Amen. This Psalm, I said, is a very powerful one. We have confidence that God will lead us. That's what it means to be shepherd. One, two, let's go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not walk. Can you pause for a moment? Please, when we get down to you, let's personalize everything. From the beginning to the end, it's personal. You know, it's personal. It's for us. It's for me. You understand? It's for you. So, prophesy to yourself. Let's go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For the Lord is with me. His rod and your staff, they comfort me. They prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord thanks. Say, Father, we thank you. I thank you because you are leading me in the path of destiny. I will not miss my destiny. I will not miss it. I will not miss it. I will not miss it. It's not about hearing voices. You will lead me. You will lead me. You will use everything to lead me. Declare that I will not marry the wrong man. I will not marry the wrong woman. I used to prophesy that those days. I said, no matter how much I fall in love with the woman, God will not let it happen. He will not let it happen. He will just refuse and say no. The Lord will say no. The Lord will say no. The Lord will say no. Yes, I prophesied to you today. Like I told those men those days. Said so there's a woman whose hands are chains and nets, whose heart is a snare. 
He said, but the one who is pleasing to God will escape from her, but the sinner will be enticed. Say, Lord, purify my heart. Make my heart pure before you, so that I will not be a sinner. Cause me to be delivered from trouble. Remember I said, that woman, please listen to this series on Ecclesiastes. That woman is not just a literal woman. It's every circumstance in life that attracts people. Sometimes if they find job, we attract you. If it's not the will of God, they say only the sinner will be enticed, will be entrapped. But the one who loves the Lord, he will escape. Declare, I have escaped. I have escaped. I have escaped from the traps of the enemy. I have escaped. I have escaped. I have escaped from the trap of the enemy. Because the Lord loves me and I love the Lord.